Hello, everybody, and welcome to CFB Unfiltered with Blaine Gilmer, Josh Taylor, and Donovan White. Today, we are going to be talking about the transfer portal, national signing day, the early signing period, and of course, bowl games. And it is all here on the Believe Podcast Network and the 365 Sports YouTube channel. And uh, we're going to get to all that here right after this. All right, Josh. So transfer portal is, uh, you know, booming. And Donovan, we've had a signing classes go down. We're going to talk about some bowl games, give people an opportunity to get into a bowl. Pick them here with CFB Unfiltered. Um, make sure you're following at CFB Unfiltered on Twitter because that's where you're going to see the bowl contest that you can enter and win you a little, win you a little cash if you pick all the bowl games right. But Man, it's just been a crazy day. I am mentally exhausted covering uh, recruiting for UGASports.com, the rivals website for Georgia. It has been nuts. But Josh, uh, you know, right off the bat, man, what what sticks out to you about this this crazy day? Well, Alabama's number two right now. A&M is a number one signing class. So props to them. You know, you have to give props to Jimbo Fisher for the job he's doing. Um, but obviously the one that stuck out was – one of the first things today is Travis Hunter flipping from Florida State to Jackson State. First time an HBCU has gotten that kind of recruit number one. Like that to me is just a change, a game changer for the recruiting yeah. world. Whether it's, you know, the money, the deal with Deion Sanders, Barstool, whatever it is, still it just it was so important to the game of college football, you know, the HBCU. Um, I talked to uh, David Moore from Grambling State last year when he was going into the draft and just saying like how much, you know, exposure HBC is getting now in college football and how important that was. I mean, you got guys like Doug Williams from Washington. He played at Grambling State too. Just you really wanted that for them in the, in the you know, the state of college football. So I'm excited about that. Um, but just a lot of big signings today. Uh, I think Florida's getting some recruiting going back with Billy Napier. Some of these old uh, SEC teams that haven't recruited as well are getting some good signing periods. There's a lot going on, but I feel like the transfer portal uh, has lived up to its potential, and this is the the biggest uh, action we've seen possibly ever going on right now. Oh yeah, it's it's absolutely nuts with uh, all the the NIL money and things like that that are, that are changing the game here. Um, Donovan, uh, you know, real quick, your overarching thoughts before we dive deep into all this stuff. Yeah, and, and again, I have my uh, problems with NIL and, and that system as a former player, and we can get into that one day or another, but I think that the Travis Hunter to Jackson state is a massive storyline. And as much as, again, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of NIL, but it's such a cool thing, right. Where such a big time player can go to a school that, you know, has, has beaten teams like Florida state, right. They, they've, they've beaten some of the big time recruits, right. And the big time teams, even though Florida state's been off of a rail least recently. Uh, it, it's just cool to see that whether or not, you know, it was money or, or influence, whatever, um, and then again, of course, what Josh was saying, the transfer portal, it's like NFL free agency out here, right? Especially from the quarterback yeah. side, you just see so much of it. It's crazy. Well, Lane Kiffin literally said that. He said, this is like, uh, this is like free agency. He said, the only problem is there's no contracts for the players. He said, I hope they get all the money that they're promised. Uh, so Lane Kiffin was definitely uh, a little skeptical of it. Of course, Dabo Sweeney hates this era of football. <laughs> he is like, uh, he is like in, it is his version of uh, college football hell right here with all this stuff going on so he is not happy with it but uh 
one thing you can't be happy about, guys, and speaking of a little bit of money, you know, if you win our bowl pick them and all that kind of stuff, you get a little extra cash, you're, you're wanting to do some stuff, put a little extra on games, you can go over to Bet Online, guys, because Bet Online is still the number one spot for all of your basketball and football action this season. Head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50. Uh, to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers on this 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And where we're really going to dive in and start here is the transfer portal. I know we'll, we'll we'll get into the signing day stuff. I know there's been a boatload of reaction out there to that, and we'll get into it. But the transfer portal is having a direct impact on the signing day, right? Because now you've got to account for, okay, how many spots do I leave open? What are my most available, uh, you know, desperate needs that I have? Like Alabama, for example, Josh getting Elias Ricks right before we came on the show, Alabama, you know, it, it's rare to say they didn't do something well, but they didn't recruit defensive backs well in this in this class out of high school. So what do they do? They go supplement it out of the portal with a guy like Elias Ricks. Then on the other, you know, end of the end of the spectrum, you have a, a team that's kind of up and coming like a South Carolina that goes out and gets a Spencer Rattler and they get the tight end from Oklahoma to go with him. I mean, you know, there's there's teams that can make themselves a lot better in a hurry, like a South Carolina, and there's, you know, the rich can get richer like Alabama. So, you know, what are your thoughts, you know, we talked about uh, Penix Jr. Uh, going to going to Washington from Indiana. I mean, Caden Slovis is in the in the portal from uh, uh, USC, so a great quarterback there. There is a lot of talent in that portal, and then of course there's guys like Tank Bigsby who just want to restructure their contract over there and get more uh, NIL money uh, to, to flirt with the portal. But Josh, your opinion on the portal, guys in it. Uh, what what kind of stands out to you right now with the transfer portal situation? I agree with what you said, uh, and it's funny because Luke Fickle was talking today during National Signing Day, like how different it is because you have to, you know, counting about you know body count wise, like you have to retain your guys. You have to keep an account how many guys you're gonna you know plan on signing. If they don't, then you have to you know test out the college free agency now, like I said, with the transfer portal. So it's really hard for coaches to know exactly what they're gonna have next season. But you talk about, you know, talent-wise, a uh, guy I really liked, uh, Jake Hayner out of Fresno State, one of the top quarterbacks. He was talking about leaving, possibly going to Washington, then decided to stay because his coach went to Washington, but he has a good relationship with their new coach. And like I said, Michael Penix said, okay, he's not going. I'm going to go to Washington because that, that's the last thing you want to do is transfer, and then you have a quarterback better than you transfer to the same college. Um, so, But if you need a quarterback, you have Dylan Gabriel. You have Cameron Ward from the FCS, who is their top quarterback. Like I said, Keaton Slovis, Bo Nix, who I never would have imagined is leaving Auburn because that dude like bleeds Auburn. Like he is one of the most Auburn players I can remember since like Cam Newton, <laughs> uh, Max Johnson, Miles Brennan, Adrian Martinez. Like I said, Spencer Rattler going to South Carolina. Um, and uh, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl said something that I totally agreed with the other day. It was all these kids are are going to these colleges. But like what what all is going into like that thought process? Like, are you going there for education wise, like fit wise? Like, is it the best move for you? Are Dabo you going to says go? No, Dabo says no. education's out the window. <laughs> Dabo, I mean, Dabo just whines about every anything that changes in college football, Dabo whines about. But for me, it's about going to a place where a head coach really believes in you, you fit the scheme, 
you're really going to thrive and it could actually catapult you in your playing career and like not even talking about education wise. So like that was my thing with uh, Spencer Rattler going to South Carolina. We haven't seen, you know, Shane Beamer, who's a young new coach, be able to say like, hey, I can develop quarterbacks. This is what I do. You know, kind of like what Lincoln Riley did, you know, with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, so on. So I think it's interesting to see that fit for Spencer Rattler, see like how exactly it develops. He's in the SEC now. Like what exactly went into that thought process? But like I said, if you need a quarterback, Zach Calzada, like the list goes on and on. There's so much talent in the portal. But I want to make sure players are going to places that can actually, you know, elevate their talent, elevate their draft stock. Not just like, hey, I'm going to sign a ton of money and then I'm going to go be a bum in the NFL and out of the league in like two or three years. Yeah, Donovan, I mean, you know, when it comes to uh, all these high-profile quarterbacks that are out there, not just that, but, I mean, you've got, you know, not only did Travis Hunter go to Jackson State uh, today, but I saw a former Florida State defensive lineman uh, has went to to Jackson State today. They took one so, out of Georgia last year, didn't they? Yeah, uh, well, they flipped it. He was committed – uh, uh, he was a junior junior college junior player. College. Yeah. Uh, he went to Lackawanna Community College. His name was uh, uh, Dejon Dejon Warren, and uh, Dejon Warren um, was committed to Georgia. Deion Sanders flipped him uh, before signing day, and uh, he, he ended up signing with Jackson State. So it's not totally unprecedented, but the level that they took it to today with Travis Hunter was huge. But also they're pulling in. Uh, disgruntled players. They got a, a player from Florida State. They got a player from Southern uh, Miss today. So Jackson State, some FCS schools starting to get involved in this transfer portal deal as well. So it's going to be. You also had uh, the the quarterback trainer of uh, Justin Fields and Deshaun Watson, uh, Quincy Avery, right? The yeah. famous quarterback trainer. He's out here on Twitter telling guys, listen, if you don't find a school that you like, Power Five, he said, go FCS, and and uh, they're still good football and all that kind of stuff. Because he's talking from the point of view of uh, uh, Trey Lance that played at uh, North North Dakota, uh, North Dakota State. So you know, there's lots of inter- interesting things, but you know, transfer portal wise, Donovan, what kind of is grabbing your eye right now? Uh, you know, maybe maybe that you're trying to see how to change the landscape of college football. Well, I think there's not a single coaching change or player change. Uh, in college football that's going to affect the landscape more than NIL and transfer portal um, in the foreseeable future. Transfer portal, you can make the argument that it's going to be that. Um, it, it, as much as I don't like Dabo's whining a lot, he, he is kind of right that education is out the window at this point for big time players um, in college football. Even if you are not the elite of the elite, like I don't, I think we can agree that Bo Nix is not the elite of the elite in quarterbacks, but he's, you know, shown to be a good player at times. And that, he, he his moving somewhere changes things a lot, changes things for Auburn a little bit, changes things for other programs. Well, think about this: Dan Lanning just took the Oregon job, and he brought Kyle uh, Kyle Dillingham, who was the uh, Florida. It was announced today, Florida State's offensive coordinator uh, goes to Oregon to be the offensive coordinator. And you know where he was at before that, Auburn, and he coached Bo Nix. So, what happens if ha, ha, what if you have Bo Nix? playing at Auburn next year uh, in the Pac-12. Bo Nix would tear it up in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, he would. That'd be Agreed. so weird, him in an Oregon jersey. I don't think I could get used to that. I'm, I'm trying to picture in my head, and it's it's strange. I, I honestly think the biggest one I got, Spencer Rattler, we knew what his potential was, but obviously didn't live up to it this year. To South Carolina, it's kind of an interesting move. I don't, I don't totally understand it from his point of view. 
I think Quinn Ewers at Texas is probably the biggest one potential wise. Um, one for NIL reasons. Um, there's been a lot of rumors of the payments with Texas and everything like that. And agree or disagree, that's a a landscape, you know, shifting move to pay a player that much. Come to 1.5 million dollars from uh, bar barstool sports and pin uh you know, pin sports gaming yep. to Travis Hunter to attend mm-hmm. Jackson State. And exactly. And so it's if Barstool's paying him and then Quinn Ewers is apparently getting paid quote unquote first round money to go to Texas by their boosters, uh, that's big just for the landscape. But, you know, player wise and school wise in general, it's like a five star quarterback going to Texas. That's Look, massive. If they had some good that. recruiting today, uh, like guys like Kelvin Banks, you know, building the offensive mm-hmm. line. Too. So they had a good, they had a good uh, signing day today. You have to obviously think that a guy like yours helps out that recruiting. Now Sarkeesian, you can't do nothing with this. Like the all eyes are going to be on you now. Well, that's because those O linemen heard about the fact that the scholarship O linemen at Texas were going to yeah, pay well, that's thousand thousand dollars. Well, that's what I was about to <laughs> say, Don. I was about to say, you know that uh, even though O linemen are the, um, you know that that uh, um, O linemen are always the ones that kind of get. They're the ones that make things go, but they kind of get crapped on in a lot of situations. Overthought. Sorry, Donovan. But if they're getting, but if they're getting 50 k a year, imagine what the skill guys are getting. You know, I yeah. mean, that, that's just crazy. I'm just waiting on someone to get an IHOP NIL deal for pancakes. <laughs> oh, it's definitely going to happen. Has to happen. I, it's just it is a landscape shifting thing again. Uh, NIL, but again, back to the Quinn Ewers. I, I think Texas was obviously disappointing this year um even with some some slimmers of hope at the beginning quinn Ewers could change that um i would be careful texas fans i just have a gut feeling and i think a lot of people do that something isn't going to pan out too well with quinn Ewers again maybe you guys disagree just i don't he know i want to go this. back to ohio state after no he's <laughs> done strategies. he's done he he got his money he used us he's gone enjoy uh you'll always be <laughs> in tj's He'll always be in C.J. Stroud's shadow, uh, and when he fails out of Texas and transfers to D2, we'll have another conversation like that. <laughs> but, you know, I wish the best. Yeah, he'll be at JMU. I wish the best for him. Man, uh, you know, we've got we've got guys in here in the in the uh, comments. Lando7448 saying Quinn, Quinn's dad has been talking to Texas since September. Here's the thing. There is so much. And it's just a it's just a fact. There's just so much tampering going on now with the transfer portal back and McDonald's bags. And it's never gonna get it's never gonna get stopped. So here's here's what's gonna happen. I mean, you're not gonna put the genie back in the bottle, right? Is that's not gonna happen with the NIL. The NIL is gonna be here to stay. But what you're gonna see is I think you're gonna see after this bar stool deal with Travis Hunter going to an FCS school and that help you know, taking basically taking uh you know, some, some views and some, some ad revenue money and things like that um, with the, with his star appeal away from power five schools. I think you'll see some of these power five schools push for a cap on NIL, you know, to say, okay, you can only structure, you you can only structure. Yeah. Some structure say you can only, uh, you know, have a deal that's worth this much stuff like that. But then what's going to happen is it's going to go right back to the way that it was before where they're, you know, they'll say, okay, here, we'll, we'll definitely get you to the cap. And then here's what we're going to help you do on top of that. So, I mean, that is just, that's just the way it goes. You cannot legislate that out of the game of college football. I think I do, you know, Dab, we give Dabo Sweeney a lot of heck and he, but I think his point about the transfer portal, I think that's way worse than NIL in my opinion, the the transfer portal, because you know, 
it, it's just there's no accountability now. If you feel don't feel good in a in a situation, you can get out and go. I think you know his his deal of you know having to sit out a year uh, still, and then if you graduate from a school, whether it's you graduate early or whatever, you get that year back. You know, so um, it's a uh, it's interesting to to see all these different different takes on things, but I do think the transfer portal is more harmful to, to football than, and also to the athletes themselves than the NIL is. When they were saying like each state is different too, like NIL wise, like Texas, like you mentioned, like the like NCAA was like, all right, y'all want this? Like here, this is y'all's mess now. Like there's, like I said, there's no structure. There's no like cap. There's nothing. And like I said, there's so much going on behind the scenes under the table that you know people don't know about like i'm like i'm sure like archie manning stuff like that like big time recruits that's funny because like lane kiffin trolls it and like takes pictures of like random nice cars and puts it on twitter all the time as like a joke but like it absolutely happens like people have been saying it's happened at alabama for like 10 years now like just because a guy has a challenge like oh before nil like it just happens behind the scenes like i'm not saying it happened but well, you got I, I Henry Toad, Henry Toto, who uh, you know put a nice new Dodge Charger on the on the internet, and then uh, somebody like slapped him, you know, through the internet. Uh, one of the Alabama people, like, dude, take that down, and he took it down within you know two minutes. So, look, I work at CarMax. Some challengers you can get easily priced out thirty grand, twenty twenty eight, twenty nine thousand dollars. It's not that impressive. Someone pulls up like a hundred thousand dollar like Corvette or something. I'm gonna start asking questions, but I I do agree somewhat with Dabo. Like there needs to be some structure. I just think Dabo always takes it too far. Like he said before, if players start getting paid, I'm quitting. This isn't the sport for me. Blah blah blah. Like two or three years ago, and he's still around. Like he he's he's kind of like eat his words on like ah, I didn't really mean that, but I still disagree with it. And I still don't like what's going on. And like I said, like I agree, there needs to be some kind of structure. Because the portal is just getting out of hand. I mean, Emory Jones came out and said he's in it now too. Uh, Jacob Copeland, wide receiver, is another big name guy. I could see going like USC or something. Like, I think it's good for certain players because, like, what if you know, coach leaves, coach gets fired. Like, this is the guy that recruited me and he's gone. I feel like I should have the opportunity to go somewhere else and not have to sit out a year. Like, that's not my fault. Like, y'all fired him, not me. Like, this is the guy that believed in me and now he's gone. So I feel like there's definitely both sides to it. Um, but I just feel like there's too many, you know, gray areas and not enough set in stone rules and regulations to everything going on. And it just kind of feels like chaos at this point. You're just refreshing your feed. Like, Hey, is this wide receiver still on the team or is he in the portal? You just don't know what's going on. So I just, it can get too chaotic at times. I think we're finally seeing that right now. Absolutely. Uh, the, the biggest impact so far, who would you say the, the biggest impact transfer ha- has been i mean spencer rattler to south carolina there's a reason he was on our cover uh, cover today i think that is um i think that's huge uh you know when it when it comes to to south carolina and, and you know shane beamer what he's what he's building over there i mean nobody i don't think anybody would have thought they would been have been bowl eligible this year uh, and basically had no quarterback on their roster. They were doing it with a guy they pulled from St. Francis and uh, St. Francis College, and then uh, got a graduate transfer. Literally pulled a the guy came there to yeah, work. Won a game as a graduate transfer, and they said, "Hey, uh, you mind putting the pads mm-hmm. on for us real quick, buddy?" And and uh, and doing this, and he you know played a few games, won some games. I mean, very very tough situation. Um, so, you know, we'll see we'll see what ends up happening there. But I think Spencer Rattler's a huge one. 
Um, yeah. you know, Elias Ricks to to Alabama. That's a that's a big one. Um, there, there's going to be lots of big names. But is there anybody else that's more impactful than those you, that you think uh, right off the top of your head? That, um, it, it's not set in stone, but like there's been rumors that Kayshawn Boutte might be one of them. You know, LSU's hands down their best receiver. I feel like that could be, you know, a big you know setback for them if he doesn't come back. Obviously, it's just rumors at this point. Um, but I think the Spencer Rattler was the biggest one, just not because of his name, but for me, like I just didn't see South Carolina coming. Like, I, I really didn't know if it was going to be like an Arizona, Arizona State, kind of what he was leaning towards before he committed to Oklahoma at the time. And then, boom, South Carolina comes out of nowhere. So I think, obviously, with the name of that one. Um, but I don't know, like, Bo Nix leaving Auburn, I think that's kind of a setback for them. Like, if the, like are they okay rolling with TJ Finley? Um, like I said, it's just, to me, he was so Auburn. Like, he would, like, live and die Auburn as a quarterback. And to me, it just took me by surprise. Like, especially if he has one more year left, I really felt like you know, he was getting talked a lot more about like how he stepped up as a leader, like draft wise, like he's gotten better mechanics wise, decision making wise after he got benched. Like this was exactly the way he needed to be trending. And now he just kind of like stepping back. Like this could be critical for him. Like if he goes somewhere else and it just looks like the old Bonix, it could set him back draft wise. So I think that was a bad idea by Bo. You know, we don't know where he's going to yet, but I think he really should have stayed at Auburn one more year and just rode that out and got better to where he could, you know, get drafted in like the third, fourth round, something like that. But if he goes somewhere else and stinks it up, it's a terrible decision by Bo. Yeah, I'm with you. Basically the same Josh with Spencer Rattler. And um, I I'm, I'm, I think Quinn Ewers transferring to Texas is pretty big. But Bo Nix, just for the impact of leaving leaving Auburn, what that means to that school, what that means for kind of his legacy, if, again, if it goes bad. Um, but what it means if he does go – uh, I'm with you, Blaine. If he goes to the Pac-12, you know, even to a school like Oregon, right? Like we saw Oregon's quarterback play this year it was not good. Um, and not to say that Bo Nix was an elite quarterback every, you know, every game, game in and game out. But if he goes there and he plays, you know, twice as good as Oregon's quarterback play, that is a significant upgrade, right? It's a significant upgrade for you know half the cost. Um, I think that could be big depending on where he goes, but still to your point, Josh, just legacy wise for what we've seen the past years in college ball. That's huge. I mean, it's, it's just, it's crazy to see a guy, Bo Nix of all people leave a program that kind of was wrapped around him. We thought about Aubrey the past three, four years. You thought about Bo Nix. Yeah. Can you yeah. imagine if Tank Bigsby really would have left? Oh like God, I just Twitter was shutting there. down at the well, top. It's not just, but you know, it's been a roller coaster for Auburn in that effect because you know, they had Bo Nix leave, uh, Tank Bigsby was rumored to be leaving. Then he didn't. He comes back. And then they climbed all the way up to in the rivals rankings today. I think Auburn climbed all the right way. Now they're fourteenth. Fit there, yeah, fifteenth on the on the rivals rankings right now. They were forty something coming into today. So they they had a a, a big day. They flipped Robert Woodyard from uh, a linebacker from uh, Alabama to to Auburn. So I mean that's a that's a big thing for you know Brian Harson there in that state. Um, but there's some other schools out there, you know, like Notre Dame still sitting at, at seventh when they just lost a, a longtime head coach. You know, Marcus Freeman being able to to keep that uh, class kind of together. Penn State, they went through all this craziness of is James Franklin going to leave? Is he not? Well, they've got 24, uh, you know, commitments and they're sitting yeah. at sixth in the in the country. And country Sean right Clifford's now. staying too. 
Yeah, yeah. Sean Clifford comes back for his tenth year, um, so so he he'll be there. Is this again. the COVID year, or is this like what what <laughs> what year is this technically? Yeah. This is Social Security year. Well, it's like a it, it's like a hey, Julian, it's like Julian Rochester, right? For Georgia, he's a defensive tackle. He signed in the class of 2016, and he's still he's still on the roster. He's he's uh, playing playing this year. So. Does he at least have like a missionary trip or anything? So, so, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's crazy. But and then you know, like you said. Uh, Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher, they're they're putting together a tremendous class. There, I've never seen somebody be able to milk so much out of a, a fluke win over Alabama like uh, they're they're being able to do. And then Zach Calzada said, "See ya." And then Zach Calzada's <laughs> out of there because he knows. Uh, did you see where Jake Johnson, the younger brother of Max Johnson, signed with uh, Texas A&M today? So I would imagine his older brother's not far behind after entering the transfer portal. They were wanting to play together at LSU. They got what's would, his name, Connor uh, Weigman. Yeah, Connor, Connor Wigman. Um, yeah. Connor Wigman. Uh, there, I know they're confident, but listen, you don't just even even Bryce Young didn't come and play his true freshman year at Alabama. He sat a year, learned from Mac Jones, stuff like that. So I could see a an experienced SEC quarterback uh, like a Max Johnson at least being there and getting reps. You know, while a guy like a Connor Wigman's getting used to college ball because I don't care how good you are, there's an adjustment uh, when you come from from high school to college. In the way that goes, but yeah, my guy um, Ty Simpson, you know he, he it, strap it, up. Can't wait to see Ty. It, it's going to be Ty Simpson is is, is really really good, and uh, it's 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 crazy. You know, at some point Nick Saban is going to have to either retire or pass away. One of the two things are, <laughs> is going to happen. So uh, so uh, and and then college football will be back to some sense of normalcy because this is just not normal what uh, Alabama is able to do right now. But Donovan. In terms of uh, Ohio State, I uh, know that we want to talk about them in terms of the, um, you know, we've talked about Quinn Ewers leaving, but in terms of the uh, recruiting class, they only have 18 total commits at this point in time. They hadn't signed a lot of guys. Who are some big targets out there still for Ohio State? I mean, who are, who are some guys that they're out there, you know, still trying to bring in? I know they're going to have spots. I think the biggest thing, and, and I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't keep as much up with, with some of the recruiting and the names until they kind of get in um, as other people do. The biggest thing in Ohio State, and, it, and it's kind of bothering me as an Ohio State fan and seeing what other teams are doing, Ohio State is not willing to kind of play a little dirty with this. Um, and not even rumors are kind of what they've been doing. Ryan Day, I think, today basically said, like, you know, it, it didn't say this verbatim, but essentially said Ohio State has deep pockets, but we're not willing to shell out NIL deals, right? We're not willing to do that. And it's like, okay, if you're not willing to kind of play in the mud a little bit like some of these SEC schools are or some of Jackson State, I mean, honestly is, right? You're basically fighting with one arm behind your back. Um, and so I think that's not going to impact them that much in this recruiting cycle. Maybe they have a little bit of a quote-unquote down year, but still probably finish with the top 10 class. But in the future, it's something to keep an eye out on. If if certain schools aren't willing to not even play dirty, but just play by these new rules, you're going to see a little bit, not necessarily a huge drop off, but in terms of the top rankings, you know, if Ohio State goes from six to 15, that is a ginormous margin versus a school that goes from 40 to 50, right? There's not that much of a difference between 40 to 50 or 40 to 60, but the five to 10 or 10 to 20 is a massive difference. And Ohio State, in my opinion, is a little bit in danger of falling into that trap if they don't just adapt to what the new system rules are. 
I think for Ohio State, you know, they have the number four class right now, number one in the Big Ten. You know, they're getting uh, C.J. Hicks. They're getting some linebacker help. You know, you need to build up that defense. But I think, and I hate to bring up Jamison Williams, you know, because he's obviously killing Mm -hmm. it for us at Alabama. Should have won the Lindenkoff. But I think one of these key parts that we talked about is retaining your guys. Mm -hmm. I think the big thing for them is, you know, you lost yours, so what? You, you have faith in C.J. Stroud. You have faith in quarterbacks. You know, Devin Brown, you got him today as well at quarterback. But retain your guys. You're going to lose Chris Olave. You're going to lose Garrett Wilson. But you still got Henderson in the backfield. You got Smith and Jigba uh, at wide receiver. So you need to keep this crew together and just work towards having a veteran team so you don't lose to Michigan next year. You remember that loss last year, and you come into the next year, beat Michigan again, and get back into the playoffs. So I think the big thing for them is, you know, you're you're going to sign great classes. You're number four right now. Like, that's not going to be a problem for Ohio State because of Ohio State and the history. But retain your guys. Re- retain that team to come back until C.J. Stroud leaves. Like, get as veteran as possible with, you know, some of these key guys, especially Henderson and, like I said, C.J. Stroud, Smith and Jigba. I'm looking forward to those guys. Um, but you are losing some key pieces this offseason. So just keep it strong. Take, you know, take what you can out of the transfer portal, but build up what you're getting in the recruiting class and keep your guys together. There's never a real risk for Ohio State, in my opinion, to not be the best recruiting class in the Big Ten uh, in comparison to the SEC, right? Because Bama's always is usually always at the top, but then Georgia comes in, and then they're number one, number two, one of these. Now and LSU, exactly. Then AM jumps up there, and then LSU gets back on the map. But then Auburn, you know, has it. You know, sometimes there's a revolving door, not necessarily of who's the best year in year out, but who's in the top four, right? Top three overall. You see that a lot in the SEC. Um, I don't think Ohio State's ever really in danger of that. No Penn State six and Michigan nine. So they're kind of creeping up. They there. Are, they I, I are agree with you. I think credit. Ohio State's still always going to be that that yeah. notch above both of those programs. Yeah, I uh, saw something interesting, though, today on the um, rivals rankings as it was going through signing day. I think, uh, what, 14, t- up to 14 teams in the Big Ten now, right? I, be- mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, uh, 14 teams in the Big Ten, which makes so much sense that it's still called the Big Ten. <laughs> the, ten plus, but, the Big Ten plus four. <laughs> so when you when you talk about that one through one through uh, seven, one through seven uh, on the on the rankings were all the Big Ten East, and then eight through fourteen were all the Big Ten West. Mm-hmm. So when people don't you know want to talk about recruiting, they don't want to follow recruiting. It matters your roster structure is what ends up putting the W's. I mean, there's there's slight variance in coaching, you know, in coaching uh, changes and, and, and coaching, uh, being able to make in-game adjustments and things like that. But overall, the team, you know, Kirby Smart says it all the time at, at Georgia press conferences, you know, they're, they ask him, what's it like going up against Nick Saban? They said, well, it's not that it's so much against Nick Saban. He said he's great, but Nick's also always had – really great players because he's a great recruiter <laughs> you know he said he said if you can't recruit he said i don't care how good of a coach you are you're not going to be great and nick saban has certainly been a great recruiter in every stop he's had at lsu uh, even michigan state he accumulated good talent on those teams back in the day so three in the top six uh recruiter rankings are alabama guys charles kelly pete golding and uh, freddie roach so that yeah. just tells you and then we had mario cristobal for like a four year and all of stretch. those guys all of those guys they're, the guy behind that is Saban. They're, 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 here's how they landed. 
they take him into Saban's office and Saban gets to show him his rings. Uh, if, if, if they were taking him into an office that didn't have Nick Saban in it, it may, they, their recruiting rankings wouldn't maybe be as high. You see what I'm saying? So they, uh, All the recruits take the exact same pick in the exact same office with the exact <laughs> same rings on. No doubt, no doubt. So it's very, very interesting. Also a program, you know, that, that uh, you know, we've talked about the Big Ten here recently, but Georgia plays Michigan coming up in the in the CFP. They're right there, uh, three spots behind Ohio State with 24 uh, commits right now. I'm not sure how many they actually signed today, but they are they are expanding the map, right? They're reaching down into different different states, not necessarily that Big Ten um, Big Ten footprint, uh, so to speak. And it's uh, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting to see um, see what's going to happen you know, with this Michigan team, if they were to upset Georgia, right? Because Georgia's a nine point favorite right now on Bet Online. If they were to upset Georgia with the momentum they have of having Aiden Hutchinson as a whether people think he should have been there or not, as a Heisman finalist and finishing number two in the Heisman voting. Mm-hmm. Possibly number what, one overall pick. Think what kind of think what kind of recruiting chip that is for Jim Harbaugh to go in somebody's living room to a five-star edge rusher or something like that that's down in Miami, Florida, or down in Dallas, Texas, or Los Angeles, California, and say, hey, come to Michigan because we produced these guys. We made the college football playoff. We had a defensive player finish second in the Heisman, probably the number one overall pick. I mean, you know, like that's a big recruiting uh, tool, but I'm looking through here, right here. I see California, they, Texas, Florida. They got a guy from IMG Academy, Keon Sa- Saab, who was committed to Clemson a few days ago. Brent Vil- Venables leaves. So we're talking about these, these uh, coaching changes. Brent Venables heads out. Keon Saab comes up and guess who uh, George, Georgia also was trying to contact Keon Saab th- this morning. And uh, he ends up going to Michigan today. So very, very interesting. Der- uh, Derek Moore, uh, actually was committed. He ended up uh, flipping out there, going to another school. But I see Tennessee, Huntsville, Alabama, uh, Jacksonville, Florida. You know, you've got Jim Harbaugh going all over the country. Raven Gap, Georgia, which is in the middle of freaking nowhere, Georgia. <laughs> that I've, It's like a speck on the map that you drive by if you're going from uh, Georgia up into North Carolina and Tennessee and all that. And it is, uh, you know, they pull a tight end out of there. And you know where Marlon Klein is from? Germany, because Rabin Gap is a Rabin Gap is a boarding school. So Jim Harbaugh's going off the map, and he's getting a tight end that's from uh, was had never really played before until he was about thirteen years old. Started playing the game of football, tra- transferred over to Rabin Gap High School in Georgia. And now he's you know playing, going to play tight end at Michigan. So <laughs> it is a it is a interesting world. So there's there's lots going on in recruiting, but um, you know. When it comes all down to it, we've talked about the the transfer portal, how it, how big of a um, you know impact it's making. We've talked about these NIL deals with the portal and with recruiting. Recruiting rankings come out today, but it all filters out and leads down to these bowl games, right? It leads down to the the postseason play. Of course, everybody knows about the college football playoff, but Josh, there's still games out there that. You know, you play for the love of the game, and you get to play to uh, – now that NIL is out there, I'm sure the swag bags uh, for bowl games are getting increased a little bit. Some of these uh, some of these teams are able to to enjoy that a little bit more. So um, what bowl games you got for you, you want us to uh, talk about here that are coming up? We're going to kind of do them in order. And remember, uh, Donovan, go ahead and tell them how they can get into our bowl pick'em contest before – 
uh, it's the, it starts on the 17th. So you're going to have to do it between now and the 17th. Um, but tell them how they can go about getting in that. Yep. If you want to be in this bowl game, uh, sheet pool, however you want to call it, uh, you got to go to Twitter, go follow, uh, at CFB unfiltered. I'm going to post a link on there, um, tonight or tomorrow morning. That link is going to take you to re- directly to the pool. Basically it's, it's a winner take all kind of format. You pick all the games against the spread. First place gets first prize money. Second place gets second prize money. I don't do where worst place gets their entry feedback. Sorry, everyone. I don't reward <laughs> losing. Um, <laughs> um, but you do that. More people that get in, the more money that's available to win. Um, it's been a $20 entry fee in the past. Go through there. Have some fun. Uh, have some fun. Watch these bowl games, whether it's at work, at home, with family. Uh, adds a little bit of you know fire, fiery to it and a little spice to it. Um, go in there, have some fun, and uh, join in for all of it. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be fun. Right now, we've got about 25 people in there, so that would take the payout to close to four or $500 first place-ish, um, and it's only going to climb. Regular season pool, the winner uh, was $900, and second place winner was $250, um, $300, excuse me. Um, so there's it can go up even higher. Yeah, yeah. so uh, join our bowl, pick them over there. But, uh, you know, Josh – what are the what are the games we got coming up here this this weekend to, to go over? So first one is Middle Tennessee State in Toledo, and I Toledo's a ten point favorite. I got Toledo big in this game because of Dequan Finn, their quarterback, has sixteen touchdowns, only one interception this season. And Middle Tennessee State's defense allows twenty five point eight points per game. It's not bad, but when you think of Toledo, you think of offense. I have them at a ten point spread, so there's a free one for you, whether it's bet online or the bull pickums. I got Toledo big. And now one, um, and the next one, it's going to be, it might, might be a slight bias pick because it's Northern Illinois versus Coastal Carolina. Sean's up, baby. This one, uh, I feel like it's, it's a coastal 10 and a half point uh, favorites in this one. And when you think of bowl season, you think of all the key players who are going to be sitting out. There's a lot of guys going towards the NFL. You got guys like Matt Crowell. They're like, heck no, I'm playing for my guys. But then you've got some other guys sitting out. I think a guy like Grayson McCall, Awesome quarterback. He's going to be a top draft pick next year when he goes out for Coastal Carolina. I think a lot of these guys play for Coastal, and I think they get the spread 10.5 points. They've got guys all over the place, all Americans, not only just in the Sun Belt, but guys like Isaiah Likely, who's like one of the best tight ends in college football. So a lot of big-name players for Coastal Carolina. I'm going to be watching this one, 10.5, smash that one all day long for Coastal Carolina. And then after that, you got Western Kentucky and App State. I hate yeah. App State. They spoiled mm-hmm. it for Coastal this year. They got your guy Chase Bryce out there, quarterback. He's he's been all right this season. He hasn't been the best. How do you, how do you feel about Bryce? I mean, he's been around. He's played some. You know, he saved uh, Clemson's hide that year when uh, when Trevor Lawrence got hurt and they had to oh, come in and win that game, game again. Like everybody <laughs> thought, oh, he's he's done and and uh, Clemson's going to go down and and they lose that game to Syracuse and he came out and brought him back. So I mean, that's a banner moment for him. He had that same kind of moment taking him down the field against Coastal in a game that was one. It was a great game. I mean, yeah, a was. great game to, to watch. It was a great backdrop there with uh, Appalachian uh, State. That's now, a Boone, North Carolina. Good, Boone, North Carolina. That's a beautiful campus and a, and a great place to watch a football game. So when you when you talk about that, uh, you know I like Chase Bryce. I, you know this is his last uh, last game. He can't transfer to any more schools. I think he's uh, all out. He's all out. <laughs> so uh, so his twelve years are up. This is it for him. So you know he's going to want to go out on a high note. I, I never bet against App State. I just. Uh, I just really, I really think, even though I know Western Kentucky, their quarterback is really dealing and they're yeah, playing. Bailey's but, a beast. He's going to the senior bowl. 
app but app state for some reason uh in the in these games you know I, I you can never you can never count them out i mean they're they're just always at postseason games or big games when the when the national attention's on them and on these bowl games everybody's gonna be sitting around you know it's kind of a dead period they're just well might as well watch this app state game they're gonna have the eyes on them and they tend to do well in those games so who knows i think they'll end up uh covering whatever the spread is in in, the, in that game they're uh, a very defensive physical team but bailey has listen to these ungodly numbers you almost you know this is like Madden numbers here. 442 completions on 639 passing attempts. 5,544 yards, 56 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. Like I said, he's going to be at the Senior Bowl with guys like Malik Willis and you know all these big-name uh, quarterbacks for the draft. He's going to try to make a name for himself, too. I don't think he'll sit out this game. I think going against App State is a great opportunity for him, not only just the Senior Bowl after that, um, but App State's defense only allows 19.3 points per game that's what they're known for being physical holding a team like coastal who scores a ton of points to like that 18 to 21 kind of range so it is very hard to um go against a quarterback like uh bailey zappy for western kentucky but i agree with you i like app state um after watching that uts game with western kentucky just that physical team outdid western kentucky and i think app state wins this one they're three point favorites i like that line a lot Yep, uh, Donovan. You know when you talked about uh, Toledo before in that in that Toledo game, Toledo's a team that lost to Notre Dame by three points mm-hmm. earlier in the year at at Notre Dame. So that's a that, who, who's uh, Toledo playing again there, Josh? Mtsu Middle Tennessee State, who I hate for being Michigan State in the March Madness tournament a few years. Yeah, ago. and they're oh you know God. Middle Tennessee Middle Tennessee State. They're always you know that kind of spread it out high flying offense. It seems you know back when Buster Faulkner was there, and they even had. Um, Tony Franklin, who has the whole, you know, famed Tony Franklin system that all the high schools run uh, after him, the clinics around the country talking about all those teams. So um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. But Toledo's a good ball team, uh, Donovan. You, you know, you know, those guys pretty well. I'm loving some of the Mac matchups uh, in this bull sheet uh, just for for betting wise and just outright outright wise. Toledo's one of them. Uh, Ten points was I, again, I hadn't watched too much of Middle Tennessee State, but I, I've been following the MAC a lot, and Toledo's a good team, very good team in the MAC this year. Um, the one matchup I'm not a huge fan of um, is Eastern Michigan uh, playing Liberty. I, I think that is a tough matchup against a potentially angry Liberty team that is kind of angry that they 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 had hopes of being one of those group of five teams that had the chance to go be you know bigger than they should have been, especially with Malik Willis, right, a, a first round quarterback. Um, I think Eastern Michigan could be in trouble because they're not the best team in the world. Um, one f- uh, bit of free money is Miami, Ohio, minus three, uh, playing North Texas. If anyone can name one single player from North Texas, um, I will pay you $5 on the spot. Exactly. It's tough. I remember Jalen Darden last year. I was my boy. Jalen Darden. That's, that's <laughs> who I remember last year. Miami's, uh, they've got one of the top receivers in the country. Jack Sorensen is, I believe, still top five uh, in the nation, receiving yards, legit NFL prospect, two senior bowl invites. Dom Robinson at D-line, Sterling Weatherford at safety, um, a great O-line, great D-line with Cam Butler, Ben Kimpler. Uh, like I mentioned, Dom Robinson, best defense in the MAC in my opinion, and statistically speaking, uh, minus three for them. That's free money. Um, go Redhawks. Um, and I don't know if I'm jumping the gun too much with Houston and Auburn. I really like Houston in that game. I know we talked a lot about Auburn with Bo Nix. I really like Houston in that game. I think Auburn's a three-point favorite. I think the win was kind of punched out of him with Bo Nix leaving and 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 with Tank Bigsby floating the transfer portal. Josh, do we know if Roger McCreary is going to play in that game for Auburn? Because he, he I know or not. I know <laughs> he he's, shouldn't. I know. 
I know he's a first round type pick, but here here's the matchup I'd like to see is if um you know if, if if someone like yeah, Nathaniel Nathaniel Dell who can really fly. I mean, you saw what Roger McCreary did. The reason uh the reason people you know want to look at the dichotomy of okay, how did Auburn hold Alabama down to, you know, the points that they did and then they go and score on Georgia's well, here's the thing. One uh, Jameson Williams was out for most of that game. And then when he went out, Roger McCray locked down, I mean, locked down John Mechie for most of that game. It's a, the two point right there at the the end, you know, he, he, John Mechie put that move on him. But when it comes down to, to it, uh, when you have an elite cover corner like that, that's how you're able to, to neutralize elite receivers. Right. And um, Nathaniel Dell is going to play in the NFL and he's going to, he's going to be per- productive in the nfl i know he's small but the dude can fly i mean he can really fly and uh if roger mccrary is able to play um you know if some guys like matt corral josh he came out and said listen my teammates are the reason that i'm in the position to go to the nfl so i'm not going to leave him high and dry i'm going to play uh so i don't know about roger mccrary but i am fascinated to see if if he does play that matchup could be one of the best ones of the postseason no, I hate to say he's a beast, but dude is locked down. He's going to be at the Senior Bowl, too, going back home to Alabama. Um, but you mentioned guys sitting out. That's the thing for this Liberty game Like that kind of scares me betting-wise. Mm-hmm. I'm checking it every day. Is Malik Willis playing? Is Malik Willis playing? Because he has that entire team. I hate to say it. Um, but them being 7-5 and five was a huge letdown after you know a great season last year. You know, Beat Coastal at the end of the season. Um, we kind of had hopes they'd be like a possibly undefeated, maybe a one loss team this year. And then seven five, just not living up to expectation at all. So for me, like before you bet that game, watch to see if Malik Willis yep. plays. I don't think he will. Cause like I said, he's going to senior bowl too. He's probably going to be prepping for that in the draft. He's not, he doesn't get anything out of winning that game. Like they should absolutely win that game. And I don't think the career wise that kind of catapults him at all. Cause we saw him struggle in a lot of games. We're like, wow, they're actually losing that team. I mean, he struggled against Ole Miss, who's obviously a quality opponent, but some of these lesser teams he kind of struggled against. So I feel like he just needs to focus on that weekend at the Senior Bowl and not worry about a, a little bowl game that will take them to eight and five. Absolutely, you know you got to think about your your future, but we'll we'll see. Um, you know, any so is there is there any of those games, Josh, that, that you're thinking may be the the you know. The game to like if you're saying it's must appointment television, this is mm. going to be the crazy game to watch. Which one? Which one of those are you picking? So, this one's tricky. On on Saturday, December eighteenth, I think there's a lot of quality games. I think there's a good upset coming. I want to see Fresno State UTEP just because mm-hmm. I love Jake Hainer quarterback. Hopefully, he yeah. does play. I think and he, BYU and, and he's staying. You know, yeah, he, that, he, that was he, big for them. He he went in the portal. And then came out. He did the hokey pokey with the portal. He put his well, right foot in, his right foot out, and then he, you know, now he's going to shake it all about over there in Fresno State. So his we'll head see coach what... went to Washington, and he's like, uh, he was kind of like looking at them commitment wise, like before, like he, like when he was being recruited, he was thinking about Washington anyways. Well, then um, they and, said there would be like tampering charges or something brought up with yeah. him following his coach or something. So there was eligibility you know. concerns, and Michael Penning said, "Sweet, I'll go." Um, but I love Jake Hanner's game. Like he's going to be one of these top guys. He's going to be like Carson strong next year. You know, these not talked about schools, but you know, possibly really good talent at quarterback. So like you have to watch him play. If you just like college football, you're not doing anything at two, on, at two fifteen Saturday, December 18th, watch Jake Hanner and you'll thank me. But this UAB BYU game is so interesting to me. Cause I feel like it's such a weird matchup uh, football wise. 
I love BYU. They're ranked, you know, 13 or 10 and two. They've beaten a lot of competition, but they're only seven point favorites. And it's interesting to me because UAB has such a weird offense. You know, they're a physical defense too. I think it can be a really fun game to watch. Um, but the upset I'm calling is Utah state and Oregon state. Oregon state's a seven point favorite. I like this Utah state team a lot. I think they can slow down Oregon state's uh, offense and create big plays for themselves. So I'm pulling that as the upset of the weekend. Old Bonner, they were 36 touchdowns, 11 interceptions for Utah state. They're going to let that, that rock go through the air. And I think they have more big play abilities compared to Oregon state. So if you want to bet on an upset to make that parlay go from like minus 150 to plus 400, <laughs> that's the one to do it. I'm calling it Utah State over Oregon State. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting there. Uh, you know, I mean, that would be a big that would be a big up. I mean, Oregon State played some good ball this year. Mm-hmm. They they really did. They, they, they did with the not so fast. <laughs> they impressed. So I don't know. I I will say this. Uh, you know, one matchup that kind of intrigues me a little bit is that. Uh, you know, last year you had the the mullets versus the Mormons and uh, Coastal versus BYU. Well, now this year you're going to have the Rednecks versus the 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 red, just straight up Rednecks because you got UAB uh, taking on BYU and BYU is a six point favorite. But um, here's the thing with UAB: uh, Brian Clark did has done such a phenomenal job with that program since you know it literally got shut down. They shut down the program and then they bring back the program. Uh, after that and he stayed through it all i mean he had he had jobs he stayed through it all rebuilt it back they ended up having uh you know conference they they won the conference i think two out of the last three years so it's going to be interesting they got a, a you know experienced quarterback over there at uab he's been around for a while it's going to be interesting to see that game i think that one's going to be fun and then donovan and another one uh, fcs playoff style james madison and north dakota state in their annual mm. matchup in the playoffs i mean they've been you they face each other in the playoffs every year, uh, and it's in that that dome over there at North Dakota mm-hmm. State that makes some of the most raucous noise you've ever heard over there in a in a, in a, in a playoff setting. Um, that don't I don't think they have an elite real quarterback this year like they've had like Carson Wentz and Trey Lance in the past. So maybe this is the year that uh, James Madison kind of sneaks up on them and, and and gets them where North Dakota State typically dominates throughout this stuff. I mean, it's powerhouse FCS football. It's powerhouse football. I mean, honestly, James Madison, North Dakota State, some of the teams that are always up there in FCS. Um, one of the bowl games I love uh, in terms of chaos, Kent State, Wyoming. I think I'm a Mac homer. I get it. Look at the numbers. Kent State's defense might be the worst in the country. Their quarterback, Dustin Crum, had a lot of expectations to be drafted. I hyped him up a lot. Hasn't lived up to that, but has got one more game to prove that he should be a mid-round pick rather than a seventh-round or undrafted quarterback. Um, Wyoming is Wyoming. I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah. You could see some sparks fly in this game. It's going to be one – I think it's going to be one of those exciting bowl games that no one really knows or cares too much about unless they have money on it or unless they check on Twitter and it's a third quarter and it's like 38-37, right, and they're scoring back and forth, back and forth. That's what I see kind of happening with this game. Yeah, and so oh, go ahead. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say a head scratcher for me is Louisiana Lafayette being only a five point favorite yeah. to Marshall. Well, they lost their they lost Billy, Billy Napier is not going to be coaching that game, yeah. right? I mean, he's gonna be he's not going to be there. So what's the who's, you know, who's their new coach? He I, he went to ULL. I swear he played there too. Like he's from like Louisiana well, they just Lafayette. promoted him within. So mm-hmm. yeah, know, so so I'm sure there's familiarity there. But still, when you're uh, 
when you're losing your leader, you know, uh, he's went to another program and things like he stayed with him for the conference championship game. Right. But I don't think he's going to be with him for the bowl game. I think he's still got, uh, he's going to be taking full, full advantage of this time at Florida now and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. I just think how they, how they respond. That's the first thing I saw when I looked at that matchup is like, what is the mental state of that team going to be, you know, because they didn't have, uh, I mean, you know, not having their leader, you know, and not maybe being able to accomplish. There was even thoughts of them being the fly in the ointment and, you know, being able to run the table and do some interesting things this year. 12 and 1. Like they're still, they were 12 and 1. Losing to Texas early on, I think, took some wind out of their sails. But, uh, you know, everybody was calling that one. And then, especially as bad as Texas turned out to be, that was a, <laughs> that was a, uh, not a great, not a great loss for him. But I'm you know, putting a lot got, of money on the spread on this one because yeah, Marshall turns yeah. the ball over a ton. The only hope they have is running the ball. And I don't see a physical defense like UL Lafayette letting Ali run the ball. He's got 20 touchdowns this season. Their quarterback's got 12 interceptions. He, he's turnover prone. He's not big playability. Levi Lewis takes care of the ball enough. Uh, like they can make some big plays, but their defense is just, you know, like you said, Donovan, they're a hard nosed, physical, like a blue collar defense. I just don't see Marshall running the ball on them like they have been compared to other teams. They, UL Lafayette allows 18.3 points per game. I promise you, ULL is going to score more than that. And they're probably going to hold Marshall to the 19, 20 point range. This is going to be like a 35 20 game. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be, uh, going to be interesting. I, you know, I've got to connect connection to marshall just through uh um jim donnan who used to be the head coach at georgia he was also head coach at marshall when they won the national uh championships over there and, and done did some things like that so uh he's a he's a marshall guy so i'll, I'll root for the thunder and her Look, i love the movie but i ain't saying they're gonna win. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll just i know i'm just gonna root for him just because of uh just because i'm a, a guy jim donnan over there a former georgia coach former oklahoma offensive coordinator uh, marshall coach so uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff, but uh, you know, any closing thoughts? I mean, we've been talking about these bowl games. We've been talking about all this stuff. Uh, woo! Hold on a second. Let's go ahead and throw throw this up here. Let me get our uh, screen in a position to do this. But we've got to thank Mister Dave Valinsky here for the nine ninety nine uh, super chat. We really appreciate that, Dave. We'll yeah. go ahead and answer this uh, this question uh, for you. Why does the Big Ten West have problems with recruiting? That's what I just talked about. They were number eight through fourteen mm-hmm. this year. Then the the Big Ten East. Uh, well, one, it's brand names, right? So yeah. when you're talking about Rutgers and Maryland and uh, you know all these kind of kind of schools, yeah, they they were out there ahead because they were in the Big Big Ten East. Purdue, Iowa, Minnesota. I just don't think those are attractive places four guys to to go play football i mean have you ever been on campus at purdue or at iowa or minnesota like jersey or Rutgers? <laughs> well well Rutgers actually is doing good in recruiting and the reason they're yeah. doing good in recruiting is because their proximity to new york right and nil deals and, and uh greg uh mm-hmm. Brian, yeah shioni uh is is doing doing his thing over there he's he's he knows that area right he's doing really well Maryland and Indiana, they have Brian Loxley there who learned from uh, learned from Nick Saban, uh, you know, uh, so and then Indiana, uh, I can't tell you that's just bad recruiting by Purdue and Iowa and Minnesota to get beat by Indiana, to be honest with you, because Indiana didn't do anything that should earn them some recruits this year. But uh, Dave, I think that's why you see the Big Ten, the Big Ten East, because of the brand names, of course, Ohio State, you know, Michigan, 
Penn State, all those teams. But, Donovan, any other uh, thoughts why teams, some of the mid-tier teams like Rutgers, Maryland, and Indiana are doing better in recruiting than all the big, uh, big Ten West schools? Well, I think even if you look at, like, you know, Wisconsin, for example, right, who's typically a top uh, team in the Big Ten West, Wisconsin and, and Iowa, right, or are known for – their Trenches. style of play. Exactly. They are known for their style of play in the offensive line and for the defense line, mainly the offensive line, honestly, and their running backs. That doesn't leave a lot of incentive for big-time wide receivers to go play there. It doesn't leave a lot of incentive for big-time quarterbacks to go play there because if they're going to play there, what they're saying is, okay, I recognize that there haven't really been any big-time quarterbacks or skill players um, compared to other schools in the Big Ten, like Ohio State or Michigan or even Michigan State. Um, at, at some points that they're saying that I need to take the gamble on myself to go change this, at least position group around, right. And put that back on track. And that's a big ask for an 18 year old kid, a 17 year old kid. When, why would they do that when they can go play at Indiana, who again, isn't the cream of the crop of the big 10, but has proven more to have success with some of those skill players than we've seen with some other, other teams Not you know, no shade against Wisconsin or Iowa. Cause they've had their, their share of players, but that's just not what they're known for. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Iowa's offensive line. So, like, yep. if you're an offensive Every line, go to line. Iowa. If you're a wide receiver, maybe Purdue because Rondell Moore and then now mm-hmm. David Bell, they're they're starting to get there. And you know, like you said, with Rutgers being 27th right now in recruiting, I think what what you mentioned is a great point with it, New York. It's in nil. They they their proximity to New York and their their um alumni base there at Rutgers. I mean, Rutgers is a school you go to the the uh, Rutgers University. That's a good degree. That's a really mm-hmm. good degree, and they and they basketball's have, good too. Right? They have well connected alumni, and it right there, the proximity to New York. That is that is what's going on. But I, you know, I thought the the point you made, Donovan, about the style of play, even that 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 impacts even teams like Georgia to a certain extent, mm-hmm. right? Because what's the one area that Georgia's not been able to recruit well at? It's at wide receiver. They, they don't have those Jameson Williams type, those John Mechie types of wide receivers, and that's been part of the big difference. And the reason they're doing that, they're, even though Georgia finished in the top two or three in expos- explosive plays this year, they do it in a different way that's maybe not as flashy, you know, and not, not with some of the RPOs and things like that. So they have to fight this negative recruiting of, well, you're going to go to Georgia and block as a wide receiver mm-hmm. or something like that. So that's what these other teams, you know, at Iowa and Minnesota in particular are being told, even though Minnesota just had a great receiver go in at Bateman, Rashad Bateman, mm-hmm. right, uh, that, that went in there. He, he had a great career for him. So I think sometimes it's perception then becomes reality, right? You know, yep. whatever teams are being, whatever, uh, especially if you're not in a major market where people aren't seeing you, in that 3.30 time slot every week or on the big noon kickoff uh, game every week or something like that, that's what ends up happening. So, It's also not fun getting whooped up on by Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. No. Like, So, like, you're on your little island here. But, like, it's, I agree. Like, there's still, like, these teams are still getting, like, key guys. Like I said, Iowa, great defensive team. But I agree, like, the whole scheme and fit as a player, you don't want to go to one of these schools and then you're just not playing – to what you do best. So mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I think it's a lot of scheme and fit, but it's it's crazy how much the NIL really is influencing a lot of this recruiting. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's just, like we said, the two things, the transfer portal and the NIL have changed it forever. You're not going to put the uh, genie back in the bottle, like I said earlier, and it's going to be just more and more 
uh, interesting. I think playoff expansion is going to become right behind it because I think what you're going to see is Josh, you cover the NFL, you know, and, and when you, when you look at these NFL teams, you see every week teams that are favored by, you know, five, six points, something like that. They end up getting blown out by a team. Why? Because when the talent variance is when the talent gap is less, there's a higher variance in outcomes because, you know, if the talent gap is less and some and one group of players plays a little bit better than the others, well, it ends up being a, you know, 13, 14, uh, 17 point blowout of, of some of the some of these games. And that is a blowout in the NFL, folks. So so mm-hmm. so when you when you come to that that point and things start getting more equal, you know, it's like uh, the the Georgia Alabama game, the, you know, those are two teams, the rosters the rosters as overall talent, very, very equal. You know, so one or two things go differently. You see a big swing in points. You know, Georgia scores on one of those red zone possessions for a touchdown instead of turning the ball over. It's different. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. there's lots of variance in some of those outcomes. So I think as more of this talent gets spread out, like you see, you know, Travis Hunter not going to a power five school that, that they thought he was going to go to. Some of these other guys going to, to different schools with the NIL, Rutgers teams like that uh, getting some some more prominent players you're going to see the talent distributed then you add more teams in the playoffs more incentive to try to you know play harder throughout the season get a chance to win a national championship I think it's going to create a more parity as things go on yeah and Maryland had a pretty good class too I was looking at some of their guys a lot of four stars um, sticking around the Virginia DMV area with Maryland stuff too. So I agree with you. I think you are going to see more of a level playing field. I think Notre Dame is more attractive place to go to now. Their recruiting is going up. So, you know, the, not only just the coaching movement and the transfer portal and the recruiting wise, but, you know, maybe USC is a powerhouse this year with Lincoln Riley. Like maybe Texas can do stuff with, you know, Ewers and get back to that. So I agree with you. I hope it's not like a 12 team playoff and we could talk about that for hours. And it's maybe gonna, like it's gonna, six it's gonna or eight. be a it's gonna be a 12 team playoff. Yeah. And I would absolutely hate that because I think we would have played like Ole Miss again and we would have blown them out by two touchdowns again. Like and we don't need that. Yeah, the only the only thing that's preventing the 12 team playoff from happening right now is the uh automatic qualifiers, right? The SEC does not want automatic qualifiers because that automatically limits the amount of sec teams that are probably going to be in it because you're going to get more conference champions in it i think it should be a 12 team playoff but it should still be the highest ranked teams you know what i'm saying uh, the, the, top like, 12, the, the, the top 12 um you know the maybe maybe you throw a, a qualifier in there for uh maybe it could be the top 10 ranked teams and then the 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 top two uh, non-power five teams or something along those lines, that'd be the only thing. But just the conference championship, I think, is overrated by by some 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 measures because you look at a a Utah team, right? They won the the Pac-12. Who gives a rip? You know, I mean, I I just don't think that the the Pac-12 could compete. I think even Cincinnati would have a a, a better shot of. Uh, beating a Utah team and you know I'm not a big fan of of Cincinnati so that's saying a lot I just don't I think the Pac-12 was way down this year um, and didn't deserve a lot of respect so I I think the automatic qualifier is a big sticking point as to why they're not already at 12 going forward to next year yeah 
And, and I think you're going to see things like you're, you're going to see it when, when the BCS ended and the playoffs started with a lot of people thought, Oh, this is going to be fantastic. And I, I've loved it, but you still see the debates of, Oh, this team should have been over this one. Well, even if you do, you know, the give a group of five team a guaranteed spot. Well, then what happens when, you know, a group of five team that isn't Cincinnati this year, which is actually a solid team comes in the full, but they are the automatic bid. But then like a two loss Texas A&M is sitting there at, you know, let's just say 13. It's like, okay, is 10 and is, is 11 and one Liberty really going to beat a 10 and two Texas A&M? No, like it's never going to happen. Like give me a break. And you're just yeah. going to see more chaos and more arguments with that. So it, it's going to be a flawed system regardless. I don't know which is the better outcome uh, to change this playoff around. Who knows? Um, from a player standpoint, I can tell you that's a long season. Um, again, Miami, we never made it, obviously, to that kind of level of games. But I can tell you what a long season is like, and it's a long season. And the reason I say that the, the conference championships are overrated is because if they extend the season by adding more playoff games potentially – they're going to get rid of the conference championship games yep. anyways. They're they're yep. not going to be Whoever there. Has so the, the most com- wins and head to head. Yeah, it's just going to be it's just going to be. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of co conference champions, you know, because teams are going to have tiebreakers and things like that. So, uh, man, uh, big money Dave over here is throwing us some more uh, some more uh, super chat. Thank Dave. Uh, so, so do you guys think that the Big Ten West is relying on transfer portal players and coming out of high school recruits? Listen, uh, you know, when it comes to a team like at Iowa with a Kurt Ferentz, I don't see them being real big uh, proponents of transfer portal. He's a very old school type guy. I'm sure that he'll take uh, take guys if they fall into his lap, right? But I don't think he's actively trying to do that. I think when you come to – those are process-oriented teams, right? Kurt Ferentz has a process that he goes about. Minnesota – row the boat, all that kind of stuff. You know, they have a process that they go through. They're looking for a fit, right? A fit for their university, a fit for their style of play, a fit for their culture. Um, Whereas a team like in Alabama, Ohio State, and now USC with Lincoln Riley, they're just going to go say, I have a need. I'm going to go address it. You know, that those are the teams I think even at Texas, you know, Michigan State, Josh, Michigan State turned over there, and they had forty, I think, transfers in two mm-hmm. in two years under Mel Tucker, and totally turned That's where that Kenneth team Walker around. Came from Wake Forest, yeah. so what from Wake Forest? So, Dave, I think to answer your question, and we do appreciate the super chat. I think yep. you're going to see definitely some teams rely on it more than others, but I don't know that I. I I don't know that that's going to be. They need to bank on that because here's the Not thing: it's work like, out well. It's like going. It's like going to the. It's like waiting till you're out of food to go to the to go to the grocery store, right? You're not planning ahead, and then what happens when you go to the grocery store and they're out Dang of stock? <laughs> they're they're out of stock on that. So you got to so go to the they, gas they station to get the Wonder Bread. <laughs> yeah, you, you wait till you wait till the night before to cook the Thanksgiving meal, right? You're putting it all together. I'll go to the store in the morning. And you, you know, get this thing, and then they're out of stock. Well, you're SOL. So I don't think you can rely on the transfer portal if you're the Big Ten West schools, even if you're not recruiting as the highest one. You may get some, but I don't think you're going to get what you need to be able to uh, compete with those, especially those schools over at the Big Ten East. So uh, definitely appreciate that super chat right there, Dave. And, I'm surprised uh, Frost isn't recruiting as much as you think you would like and you're losing a guy like adrian martinez now their quarterback going elsewhere i feel like losing guys and not retaining them kind of like what i said with ohio state like that's key 
Like you mm-hmm. hire Frost to try to build a culture, build like this is what I want this team to look like. Like he was supposed to be the flashy, you know, exciting hire for Nebraska. So I'm like I'm surprised that Nebraska, with its you know historic background, you're in the Big Ten, you know, you have an opportunity to upset some of these big teams with a you know younger, you know, fresh, fun coach with Frost. So I'm kind of surprised they don't recruit as well. But Wisconsin still puts out like NFL talent. Um, but like I said, it's very not selective, but fit wise, you know, when you think Wisconsin, you're not thinking of guys like Jameson Williams and like these fast wide receivers and like a spread kind of offense. If you're not like a, a hard nosed running back or a offensive lineman, defensive lineman, you're not really thinking about Wisconsin or Nebraska, something like that. I mean, Nebraska is recruited decently the last few years, but this year it has been bad. And to me, it's like, to me, like I was just surprised that frost wasn't, you know, as successful in the recruiting realm or even the transfer, you know, portal because, you know, people loved Frost at the time. Like this was like the exciting hire. Like this was going to change Nebraska and just hasn't worked out at all for him. Well, it shows that there's a difference between non-Power 5 and Power 5 football, right? And he was able to to build it in a certain – in in the AAC. It's still you, you early, can, too, you, for him. Like, I'm not going to say he sucks. Ah, he's not that early. He's a, <laughs> he, He's been there a while now, and uh, they and they're they're not – I mean, they lost a bunch of close games this year, so we've said it on here. They may be one the what they win three games. They may be the best three win team we've ever seen in college football. But uh, you know, losing by uh, lots of games by seven points or less, so it's going to be uh, interesting to see. But um, that's really all the time we're going to have uh, for here. But we do want to make sure that you follow on Twitter. So, uh, you can see it on the screen at CFB Unfiltered Donovan. Right after this show tonight, or, or first thing in the morning, is going to post the link. Um, maybe Donovan, if you go ahead and post that on there so people can go over to yep. it. Uh, he's going to have a link posted to our bowl pick them. Go in there and enter it. It's, it is a $20 uh, buy-in, but the winner's going to get the whole enchilada. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a there, – there's we, we believe in in uh, free market capitalism here, and you're going to go out there and uh, the second get it. So. Second place is called first loser. Yeah. Ladies you and gentlemen. First, you participation last. trophy. <laughs> If you ain't first, you're last in the great words of Ricky Bobby. So we we are going to uh, have that for your your uh, bowl game pleasure to be able to follow along. And I uh, want to remind everybody this show is presented by Bet Online. We're on the Believe Podcast Network, and we are um, streaming here on the 365 Sports YouTube channel, which, by the way, please hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And uh, turn on notifications. They do – live shows every day on the 365 sports uh channel jd pickel and all those guys over there doing a great job so thanks everybody for joining in for josh taylor and donovan white i am blaine gilmer and we'll catch you next time on cfb unfiltered thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.